podcast ain't played nobody. Let's just get this over with. Why are you asking me who has the better offense, Buffalo or Alabama? Because that's uh, what's going on in my mentions uh, on this. Why is that going on in your mentions? Because I tweeted about it. Um, So Buffalo, I I wrote a piece for on the NFL side yesterday. Suck it, listeners. You have to listen to me talk about the NFL for a second. Um, Really, really building that brand. Yeah. So, you know, it's like the the storyline for the NFL this year is, oh, my God, they're scoring points this year. And uh, I I had to be antisocial and point out that, yeah, not everybody's scoring points. It's like seven to ten offenses that are are, have kind of broken the mold a little bit. And then everybody else is kind of the same. And then you got Buffalo at the very bottom, who's kind of historically bad. Um, Like they, they are dragging down the NFL's overall averages by themselves. So um, I somebody mentioned on Twitter, uh, you know, the, the old, you know, we automatically have to go to can the best college team beat the worst NFL team debate, which is a stupid debate because, no, they can't. But <laughs> I did point out that I'm pretty sure in terms of like I, I, I could make a, a compelling case that while their defenses are dramatically different, Alabama's offense is more talented at the moment than Buffalo's offense. Is this just a long-winded way to continue your vendetta against Josh Allen? Uh, you know, I I don't. I mean, who? Okay, let's let me let me flip this around to you. Who would you take yes, on an NFL roster right now, Tua or Josh Allen? Uh, like to, to start Sunday? Yes. Well, I mean, at this at this exact Sunday, Josh Allen's hurt, so it's probably unfair. But like two weeks ago, probably Tua. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Alabama can beat Buffalo. This is podcast ain't played nobody's college football marriage of numbers of words. Um, that's the robot Bill Connolly. He angers his hardcore listeners on the yep. internet audio regularly. Uh, you can reach him at SBN underscore Bill C. Um, he is the uh, inventor and proprietor of the S&P Plus Analytics System. He wrote books about the S&P Plus Analytics Systems, and he writes blog posts about the S&P Plus Analytics Systems. Also, tune in on Sunday for our recap of the new <laughs> S&P Plus rankings. Uh, my name is Stephen Godfrey at 38 Godfrey. Uh, thanks for all of your emails that basically imply I don't know how to raise my children. Yeah. I will be able. Nah, that's not true. A bunch of you guys were really nice and really cool about it. And then a bunch of moms that listen to the show were just like <laughs> – you're, you're an asshole. Like, just watch your kids and watch football. We do it every day. <laughs> Very clear gender divide and me whining about having to watch my kids this weekend on a college football Saturday. Uh, Bill, lurking off in the uh, somewhat hazy audio shadows. As he is so shadows. good at doing. Yes, just, this is true. Just being um, in the room. We have a guest this week. Um, we have a guest because Wazoo got game day. Yeah. Uh, which is going to be our topic before we get to the tasting menu. And we thought... There's really one person who's qualified to talk about this. And it's, what, one of the few Wazoo people in the media? Are there other Wazoo people in the media? Or are we supposed to let you guys in the media? We are all over the place. We've got a great broadcasting school. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's true. Keith Jackson. I was about to say, you got Um, Keith Jackson. You'll always have Keith Jackson. Well, look, I mean, I think that counts for like 10, so we'll take it. Yes, it does. Uh, I didn't mean that to be a slight so much as that it's not not Georgia, Florida, Missouri, Northwestern, or Syracuse. So uh, please welcome Mr. Brian Floyd, uh, Wazoo graduate, uh, Coog Center, uh, not emeritus, alumnus? Founder. Right, but I not, mean, like, not one of the founders. Uh, Grady injected that, but oh. I'm kind of the person that pops in when I have something to say, and they can't really stop me anymore. So I think that's emeritus. Okay, works for me. Um, I think that's how the American. I've been living a lie all these years. I, I assumed you were the founder. Um, no, I came on late. They built it up, but I was pretty close to the early part, and uh, okay, it's cool to watch. So related to this whole single parenting thing this weekend, because my wife left me. Um, <laughs> Well, you did come, immediate you did put her on air to talk about ass tattoos yesterday, so of course she left you. That was a fun conversation last night. Um, the uh, first thing that's going to happen for a lot of people who aren't necessarily college age, rolling out of the bed with a hangover and then getting ready to you know beer bong themselves back into functionality, maybe a little jewel. I think that's what you kids are smoking these days. Um, you make sacrifices on a college football Saturday in your viewing schedule because you have to. Adulthood just creeps in like the just inevitable thrall of death that it is. 
And Bill and I both agree, and I think Floyd does too, that you end up sacrificing ESPN College day, game day because you know you're going to watch games for about 12-ish, 8-ish, maybe 6 hours, whatever. Game day is the first thing to go. However, this is a this is a program that I don't know if we endorse game day so much as we recognize its power and influence in the industry. On top yes. of that, it became its own sort of like ecosystem and self-sustaining brand and whatever you want to call it. And I, I always argue they have a lot of influence in – I think their selection of stories and what they cover as a media entity uh, influences the entirety of the sport. And along the way, whatever the show is, entertainment, sideshow, talk show, news program, whatever – this whole Washington State flag thing evolved. And I think most of you listening probably don't know the original story, but it's one of those things you've just come to accept. You don't know why it's there, but you expect to see it every week if you watch the show. So let's start there, Floyd, because I've been there have been so many times where back when I was doing like week to week coverage of games, going to Clemson, going to Auburn, going to wherever, you know, we, I would see old Crimson if I was at a game day game and I'd like, hey, look, there it is. And you'd be like, yep, of course it's there. It, just start there and explain how this whole thing got started and why it became part of the Wazoo identity. Yeah, the, the abridged version is, it's been going 15 years now. They started it in 2003, I believe. Um, I think it's just a little bit over 15 years this weekend. But in coming into that season, Washington State was coming off its best three-year stretch probably ever. They had three 10-win seasons. Um, went to a Rose Bowl and that, just kind of all of that stuff. They were really good. Um, and they wanted a little bit more recognition because it's really hard to get that in Pullman, Washington. You're just kind of tucked out there. So you can be really good. Um, people kind of recognize it when you are, but they wanted to kind of force game day to come to the most remote place it could in a way. Um, this also kind of the funniest side of this, this coincided with the beginning of just a awful drop off for Washington state. Mike Price, if you remember, had left after that 2002 season um, and went to Alabama for a hot second before wandering off somewhere else. Strippers. So, yeah, so they started this game day campaign and this way to get game day to Pullman um, in probably the most wazoo and stubborn way, just waving a flag every game or every game day until someone showed up. But that coincided with Washington State just completely going into the tank. So right off the bat, throw away about 10 years of game day possibilities. It wasn't even in the cards once you got past those first season or two of Doba. Um, and then since then, they've kept going, kept going, hit big landmarks. And we've had a bunch of close calls, um, especially as the Leach era kind of began. There were a couple times, including last year, where game day has said that it was close. And it's been a really interesting thing to watch. Fans would get excited um, about the flag and about the potential of game day coming. There were so many near misses that by the time that this happened now, people assumed that game day and was like the Sonics where they just tease Pullman and never actually show up. That's how <laughs> jaded they got. So the sequence of events it took to get game day this weekend even was kind of funny. Washington State actually had not play, so they could not screw up anything. And then they needed help from Oregon to beat their Washington State's other rival, Washington, to do it. And as y'all saw, they needed a blood week to get game day. They needed people to just bleed out. Uh, above them in the ranking so in a very weird way everything finally came together um and then it it hit on the 15 year anniversary so it was it was weird to watch on sunday it was a lot of no way they're coming no way they're coming and then just an explosion like i've never seen from washington state fans before where were they supposed to be this week if not wazoo i just without without looking at the schedule we're about to go through was it was there one game or like a couple locations that we just assumed that they would be at I actually can't remember where they were looking. Um, I think there were a couple of places that people were worried about, but honestly, like game day choices are kind of a black box. Um, they get to pick where they want to go. And so anything we were doing was guessing, but it's kind of the fans feeling like they want control. Like, okay, we need this team to lose. So we're going to root for that and this team to win. Um, but I don't even know how much it would have mattered. We did I mean, my probably need Oregon to win. Yeah. Yes. And my assumption is, so just right off the bat, Michigan, Michigan State, Mm-hmm. Uh, Oklahoma at TCU. Maybe if TCU, I don't know, because OU's got a loss too. TCU's already lost to Ohio State, and then they lose to Tech. So maybe. Um, I mean, the biggest game of the week is Clemson NC State. So um, mm-hmm. there, pro- there could have also been a factor of we go to Clemson a lot. <laughs> um, but then after that, yeah, I'm not sure where it would have been. 
nothing yeah. really jumps out as, as an obvious choice. No, and what I didn't realize at the time until kind of Saturday night was, oh, it is actually like pretty much 15 years on the dot, which makes a ton of sense for them. It's good marketing, if nothing else. Um, the flag people. Mm-hmm. How did that actually work? How much do you know, how much do you guys know about that stuff? Because I'd always meet these people, and it would be literally all ages, ethnicities, gender, <laughs> walks of life. Like, how the hell do you organize that? It's it's actually a pretty incredible feat of logistics, um, and I'm assuming that they'll get into some of this on game day. But yeah, also off the top of my head, um, there's a man named Tom Pounds who is part of the old Crimson um, Booster Club, and there's a, a couple people in that that kind of are the keepers of the flag. They're in charge of the finances which come in through donations which allow them to ship the flags and move things around and all that but it basically started with one person waving a flag at game day and um a group rallied around that also happened on the coop fan um, boards and with them to kind of make it a thing and so what they've started doing is they figured out a system of how to ship it around to places and honestly the easiest part is fi- finding volunteers the way that especially as it picked up um so they'll send it to the city. They have a point person and um, a bunch of volunteers that wave it, opposing fans or fans that are, you know, from that city coming into it. But it's kind of been a way to connect with alumni all around the country in a weird way where they come to these game days, they wave the flag, they feel like they're part of the school again, um, and it brings a closeness to it to the point where the university also adopted waving the flag and this came on and, and kind of made it a thing for all alumni. So it's been cool that way, but – I. I'm hoping that they get into how it works because it's actually a pretty incredible thing. And they did a little bit when they lost the flag that time a couple years ago <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, and had to track it down. So like the streak and the timeline of the streak became real serious and it became a thing where it's like, we can't interrupt this. And at times when it was lost and they had to go find it or it had shipping issues, um, it was a pretty like incredible thing to watch. People were real worried. How much of this, be honest, was someone, some corporate exec way up in Bristol deciding to stick it to Chris Peterson in the most special way possible. <laughs> you know, it, it could be anything with that. And it would be funny to do that with them. But we've also remember last time I went to Washington game day did go over the top of it in a hilarious way. They gave it a police escort, brought it through the crowd at Washington, all that. So um, they play along really well. They really like it because it was organic. And that, that show thrives when they have those really organic moments and, and just weird things that they turn in. I mean, the whole, you know, the whole, Helmets, the headgear stuff from Corso was just a thing that happened that they sort of institutionalized. Um, Okay. Maybe, possibly, I said Wazoo was going to have a really bad season when we were doing preseason stuff. I did, too. Yes, and I did because you and I would talk about just work stuff, and then we would talk football, and I sort of informed my opinion off of yours. Bill... Mm -hmm. Very bullish on Mr. Leach. Very well, bullish on this season in particular. Well, no, let's not go that far. Let's not give me too much credit. I just didn't bullish think... enough to bullish enough to contradict me on the podcast. Right. Like basically, I thought it was not going to be a very good year, but it was not going to be so embarrassingly, cripplingly bad that he would get fired. So that's that's that wasn't a I, I wasn't really given it all that much of an endorsement, but I was basically figuring he had a decent amount of goodwill saved up still, even though everybody seems to be tired of dealing with him. Uh, that and, and if they go like five and seven or something, he's not getting fired. Right. I what happened, think Floyd? The breakdown here is like this is where Bill's numbers take emotion and people out of the equation in a good way. Um, my thought on it and what I shared with you too was there was a lot of changes, a lot of things um, happened in the off season that could have been pretty damaging to yeah. the people and players around the team. And so I kind of went into the season going, I don't know how this will go or if they hit adversity early, I don't know if it's going to slide off the rails. Um, and honestly, to their credit, none of that happened. They, yeah. they took a, an incredibly awful and difficult situation at quarterback with um, Tyler Hillinski taking his own life and found you know, they kept moving on the football side and found, you know, a quarterback to take them through this season. He's been, you know, really good on the field. Um, it's a, a whole different thing. It's still kind of difficult, but, you know, that's one of those things where the pieces came together and the team just kind of rolled and they do look really good. And, you know, they've reacted in ways that I didn't expect. Yeah, Strange that, emotional situations off the field and a leech team stays together. Just want to, <laughs> just want to put that back in a complete yeah. sentence. Um, and, and by the way, to, to your friends at Coog Center who might be listening to this, who think that my numbers are designed or they are not, they're not designed to, they are, 
um, what's the best way to phrase it? They're not designed to account for how Washington State is good when Washington State is good. Uh, I would just like to point out that Washington State is currently in the top 30 uh, in S&P Plus, and uh, it seems to be recording them <laughs> as, a, as a good team because they are indeed a good team with no fundamental, massive fundamental flaws. Our defense is obviously not amazing. Mm-hmm. Um but this is a like this is a team that on paper this isn't one of those like they've they, they wanted just weird games 54 49 over teams that probably should have beaten by 17 or whatever they're they're a they're a rock solid fundamentally strong team this is the best offense i've seen at washington state um just visually even but this looks like it should it looks like an air raid they're running it really well um Minshew is a, a very good quarterback for this system and he obviously knows it well and that's also a kid, too, who, you know, he was going to go sit at Alabama and just be yeah. a backup this year and then become an analyst and hopefully go into coaching. Given the opportunity to go into air raid coaching, perhaps, um, he's really thrived in this. He knows the system. He knows it well, and he can make it work for him. And when the air raid is working, it's beautiful. It's just really fun to watch. Uh, Floyd, can you – I don't want to do talk about, but basically – so Floyd has a really unique perspective, but I've learned it's also sort of the perspective of Wazoo fans. There's this weird territory they've occupied for the last, I don't know, I want to say maybe like a decade plus. It kind of co- does coincide with the whole flag thing where they are by far the most remote school in the P5. And I know people in Starkville think they're in the middle of nowhere or, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the more rural even Lincoln, Nebraska, it's, you know, it's a major town or whatever. Like you think you're Manhattan, Kansas. That's probably the other one. Pullman's the middle of nowhere, and it's tucked up in the corner of the nation. Wazoo is both acutely aware of what they lack, what they're limited to do, and what they can possibly accomplish, but at the same time, a, a kind of hope springs eternal. It's a weird, almost like appropriate level of fandom. And it's so rare in college football, especially where I don't think anyone in Pullman is expecting to compete for national championships ever. But there is an expectation that they can be good and surprising and different. And they're very much at home with that. And it's rare that you see a fan base that's so comfortable with its own correct identity. Now, maybe I, I don't want to speak for the entire fan base. I'm sure there's some people out there who think you guys should be in the Rose Bowl every year. But, you know, every fan base has one. It's. It, I think a lot of that comes from Mike Price. Um, Mike Price kind of set the standard, and the way that he did it kind of trains you to expect a certain thing. Um, Price had his system. It was single back. It was fun. Um, he would spread guys out, spread the ball around, and that really worked, and it gave everyone an identity, and there was a lot of winning there. At the same time, we all kind of recognize that it's going to be hard for Washington State to pull in the kind of resources that other schools do to – really build a kind of system predicated on talent. It's a system predicated on scheme that works at Washington state. That's why Leach is working. Perhaps that's why the couple coaches before him didn't work um, and didn't have as strong a system and scheme and identity. But I do think that fans have kind of expected, you know, our top level is maybe those three 10 win seasons. That was probably as good as it was going to get. And even then um, I think there's a little bit of disillusion. You can't replicate that again in the same ways, but I think our fans are smart enough to understand where some of our limits are, even if we, you know, the fan base still desires to, for more. Um, It's just going to be difficult there. You are five hours from Seattle and an hour and a half from kind of the next kind of major metropolitan in Spokane. And you're just plopped down in the middle of nowhere. It's always been hard. And there are old stories about Price and other coaches who would fly people into Spokane, drive them in an RV with the shades down so they couldn't see anything around them, (laughs) plop them into Pullman just because it's so remote and, you know, it's very foreign to plop a kid that's not, you know, from kind of Washington state down there and say, here's the school. So I think that's an acknowledged thing. At the same time, we lean into it too. People are proud of Pullman. That's exactly how my wife took me to North Louisiana for the first time. Um, <laughs> one other thing about this, Washington is like a national power now, mm-hmm. but not, but, but, but sort of, Right. Made a really good hire made made. I, you know, we've said the right hire, the right coach who wanted a, a very particular type of circumstance at a P5. I'm sure there's plenty of vitriol and I'm sure there's plenty of gnashing of teeth when Washington goes to the playoff, even though they get killed by Bama. But Wazoo hasn't really changed 
who they want to be and what they want to do and all that stuff because of the, because you suddenly see a rival jump up. And that also is increasingly rare in the sport. I think that's a bit of a sore point with Washington State fans, too. For all the good that Leach has done and all the good seasons and stuff like that, Washington's been a struggle. And for the longest time when, you know, Washington State was terrible, that was the season. You'd go, you know, one, two, three wins or whatever. But if you won that Apple Cup, you were happy. If you could top Washington, great. But I think it's a sore point here where, you know, Washington winning, being good, and Washington State really struggling in Apple Cups, especially lately, um, puts a little bit of a damper on things. Personally, I, I have enjoyed watching Chris Peterson works work, and, you know, it's a bit against the Washington State spirit, but those teams can be really fun. So, you know, I'm kind of like, yeah, it's cool over there. I'm not upset when they lose to Alabama, but I'm also not necessarily rooting fully against them. Even though they are a rival, um, I tend to just appreciate like good football. Um, while we've got you here, we inadvertently backed up into some larger scale existential stuff with the PAC 12 in the last episode. <laughs> yeah. But I was going to bring that up. <laughs> uh, do you want to fire Larry Scott? You personally? I think it might be time for them to consider moving on because they're taking so many hits in so many ways. The officiating thing not improving and the decision to put a VP and general counsel and the person in charge of football into that equation was an incredibly poor one. It's a bad lapse in judgment that doesn't say good things about that. That's the only the recent one. I think where the teeth gnashing from a lot of the schools um, will still come and comes is over the Pac-12 networks, over some of the decisions around rights, over some of the revenue, and there's a lot of fear that that may not pay off. Um, the Pac-12 did maybe make a smart move in holding its IP, and that was you know, credit to Larry Scott, but they're at a point where some of that's going to have to start paying off or they could be in some weird trouble. Yeah. I, I think we're all on the same page in that one then. Like I, I the, the VP thing, I just really can't – I can't get too worked up about it because I did, like I was saying on the first show this week, it was more clumsy and stupid than, than corrupt. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) it was clumsy and stupid. And uh, you know, you get enough of those and, and your conference as a whole does seem to start lagging further behind when he was supposed to be the guy to make up the difference. Then yeah, I I do think you start to look for ways to, you know, to, to find a replacement or whatever. I just don't know. You know, my point all along is I, I don't know what, the the important people think about such a thing, but I would be surprised if he's not on if his seat isn't a little bit hot at the moment. I think that it was I think it's been tenuous for a while, but the split is what you'd expect from the Pac twelve and it's always been there. Some of the schools, Washington State's one of them that have a little less means of their own and revenue of their own. Um, have wanted more and haven't felt like they've gotten it. A lot of the bigger schools can be comfortable because they have a bunch of other sources. So that's a USC season otherwise. Mm -hmm. And there's always been a split there between supporting and kind of undercutting um, at times. And so that's the interesting dynamic. And I think Larry Scott stepped on a bunch of rakes in recent weeks. It started with not being prepared to (laughs) Uh talk about the USC hit against Washington state and just kind of vomiting something out that everyone else looked at and went, huh? Um, and you know, that may have been misperceived, but it also wasn't really done well. And then you go a couple weeks later and we come back to that same game, different hit and find out about the process. Um, and that's just not really a great look for the person who has to be out there as the face of the company. It's not corrupt. And I agree with you too, that it's, it's kind of clumsy, stupid, bad decision, but you leave the opening for people to say it's corrupt, even though I have no doubt that it's not. Um, and that's not good. All right, last question. Are you going to game day? I need a place to stay. It's really hard to find things in Pullman, but I'm going to attempt to even if I have to sleep in my car. Um, The amount of people going to Pullman this weekend is is pretty incredible. Um, (laughs) Something like I've never seen. That's awesome. We've already sold out before this. Tickets on StubHub last weekend were going for about $1,000 just to get in the building. Um, So everything is full up. They're expecting a huge crowd at game day to the point where people are like, where are you going to put these people? So it's going to be really interesting, but it is the most excited I've seen people. And this is a heck of an excuse to descend on Pullman. (laughs) All right. With that in mind, uh, let's go straight to the tasting menu. Bill, you got anything else? No, I think we're ready. Let's taste. Let's taste indeed. All right. Uh, So we explained this to, uh, to Floyd roughly. He's going to jump in. He's just going to stay on for the tasting menu because 
Um, he works with us. He's sort of our boss. He can do that. Um, <laughs> let me clear my throat and get my good radio voice. Bill, you ready? I'm, I always have my good radio voice. Uh, are you excited for Thursday? Because if you are, you're stupid. <laughs> I, uh, Herm, yep. Herm Edwards on national TV. What's what's to complain about that? You're, man's about to sell me on Pac-12 South football. Okay. Thursday, October 18th on ESPNU at 630 Central Gods time zone. Georgia State goes to Arkansas State. And at 8 o'clock, your Stanford Cardinal, the team I said shouldn't be good anymore and no one noticed because they don't really have a lot of fans, uh, goes to Arizona State. Uh, all right. Do me a favor and give me 15 seconds, Bill. Sell me on Stanford, Arizona State versus, like, I don't know, time spent with loved ones. <clears throat> um, it, 12 seconds. It, it should be close. Stanford's really not that good, uh, and so they shouldn't be able to just pull away and win easily. And if you like close football, there you go. All right, no pick there. We're going to move on to Friday. I'll go ahead and include this just because you're weird. Yells at Penn. Yell Penn! 6 p.m. ESPNU. Colorado State goes to Boise mm. at 8 p.m. on the Deuce, um, and then Air Force is at UNLV at 9 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Even for a Friday, that one, that one's a little tough. Yeah, and Just that's watch and that's Boise. A, it's a shame because Colorado State Boise at the beginning of the year typically is one you're thinking, all right, cool. Um, you know that that should probably be one of the better Mountain West matchups. Uh, it is not, although you know Colorado State has won two in a row. I'll give them that. Uh, but they are, unless Boise State really doesn't dial in here, they're not going to be, this is not going to be a very interesting game. All right, let's move on to Saturday. A uh, decent amount in the morning, just in terms of volume. We'll parse the quality here in a second. We're going to go from 11 until, when does goal line start at 2? So we'll do all those games. <clears throat> on ESPN at 11 a.m., Auburn goes to Ole Miss. Who would have thought that the uh, probation-riddled scandal demised program would be the more stable at the moment, but welcome to the SEC. Cincinnati goes to Temple at ESPNU and 11. Illinois at Wisconsin on FS1. Maryland is over at Iowa on ESPN2. Michigan goes to Michigan State, uh, 11 a.m. on Fox. I think that's your Gus Johnson screamer, if I'm not mistaken. Miami of Ohio goes to the Red Hot Black Knights of Army at CBS Sports Network, also still at 11. Uh, Northwestern goes to Rutgers on Big Ten Network. Uh, North Carolina is at Syracuse at 11:20 on the rotating ACC thing of death. Uh, ABC has Oklahoma at TCU. It kind of does feel like it was in game day contention at least for a minute. Um, we're back on 11. See, even the guys at LSU Sportsnet don't know what to do with this ACC regional network nonsense. Tulsa's at Arkansas. Uh, man, Tulsa could win that game. Uh, Virginia's at Duke at 11:30 on the ACC. Meh. And then uh, let's skip all the Dartmouth, way ahead. Columbia. Okay, whatever, nerd. Uh, Utah State's at Wyoming at one thirty on the is that it's it's the Mountain West video thing which right. you can get on their it's site. Like Rocky but I think it's Sports Northwest. I, I something. It, it used to be the Altitude one, so I would just go to the Mountain West site if you're interested yeah. in that one, and we'll cut it off there before we start the afternoon slate. Okay, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, right? <laughs> I mean. Uh... Yeah, I, yeah. No, I don't think TCU's got enough to. Um, they they have increasingly less each week on offense, and and you know even if their defense is able to frustrate Kyler Murray, I can't really sell that one very well. Uh, Tulsa, Arkansas could get stupid. So, so you know what? So could Auburn, Ole Miss, for that matter. <laughs> yeah. So wait, in this block of games, actually flip the question around a bit. Which game, if I want to sit here and watch either a trash fire or something stupid, is going to give me that? If, I personally if, think I think that's Auburn or Ole Miss or Tulsa, Arkansas. You will know after a quarter how stupid Auburn Ole Miss is going to be because Auburn still has a defense and um, and Ole Miss only has an offense. So it's, right. it really is kind of like you know irresistible force and immovable object on one end and then resistible force and movable object on the other. Like Auburn's kind of a head case at the moment, but if their defense is still playing pretty well, it'll be close and weird throughout. But there's a chance that Ole Miss is able to just jump right in there and get up 17-0 immediately. Um then that becomes kind of a different kind of, tr- of, of trash fire because I'm not sure what Auburn would do at that point. I don't know where their head's at. If can I, can get I do an predictions? Early deficit. I sure. think Auburn scores over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say 28 or more. Yeah, I'm gonna if if you're gonna if you're gonna like ask me to bet all, bet the house on something, I'm gonna assume that Auburn's offense isn't as bad as Ole Miss's defense. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, probably go that way. But it is like it's a one point one point game according to S and P. So it, it really is one that uh, could go in a lot of different directions. Anything on Oklahoma TCU? Um, I didn't. I didn't see much of the Texas Tech TCU game, um, but I do know that Texas Tech like taped together three quarterbacks to establish one stat line, and and still was able to win that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I would assume this is a writing of the ship for Oklahoma, and not much yeah. in a way of viewing experience. Yeah, the fact that it's in Fort Worth, there's a chance that maybe the the atmosphere gets going if they can keep it keep it uh tight early but i just uh, like uh, at this point tcu's offense i mean they haven't scored 28 points since ohio state they scored 16 against texas 17 against iowa state both of those are pretty good defenses uh 14 against texas tech's a bad look uh your boy i realize had a is doing pretty well in the second halves of games at least but respect um, on that man's name that's right uh but i just don't I don't think they can. I don't think they have the big play potential. I figure uh, OU. I don't know if they're going to get a permanent Ruffin McNeil bump by any means, but I figure first week they will. Um, yeah, I was going to mention like it'll be, like, it'll be interesting to see what they do on defense. If you know, if not for just a couple early drives. Yeah, I mean, I figure they'll be a little more sturdy in terms of like running a nickel-ish type defense, and I figure they'll be more aggressive. Uh, Ruffin's pretty good at that. But TCU going to break know. twenty on them. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I would say twenty is probably safe. They might give up fifty-five as a problem. All right. So clearly, the football game pick here is Michigan at Michigan yeah. State. Um, and as we talked about on the last episode, uh, dumb luck abounds when Michigan State plays really, <laughs> really good rival teams in conference play. This blew my mind, by the way. Um, Which really I, just means Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. So, like, uh, the, yesterday we were talking in Slack, and I've written about this a little bit before, too, but this is only Jim Harbaugh's fourth year at Michigan. It feels like he's been there 16 about a years. Huh? About a, de- about a decade, I'd say. Yeah, and so basically what this means is for all the rivalry losses that he has suffered, he is 1-0 in East Lansing. So, you know, maybe it doesn't apply there. Who knows? We'll Does he see. have a winning record against Michigan State yet? No. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. No, because he's lo- remember he lost the other. He sure two doesn't, does he? Bill? Monsoons, yeah. Can Jim Harbaugh get over the hump of Michigan State? <laughs> uh, that you know, it's an Ann Arbor hump at the moment. He's he's apparently fine in East Lansing, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. I love talking uh, about short term trends. All about all about some trolling, but we'll have to move on. Michigan, Michigan State, your football pick. Uh, there's a, a bunch of empty calorie trash fires. Oh, uh, low key Cincinnati Temple. Cincinnati yeah. taking undefeated streak mm-hmm. in yeah. Temple. Yeah, we should we should certainly mention that because I, we were I was trying to sell the AAC West race the other day, um, but no, this is Cincinnati is not amazing, they, but they have been at least a little better than Temple this year. Um, Temple has been very very good though of late, so that could be a very tight game. I, I think it'll be defense heavy, especially for the especially by AAC standards, uh, but it could be big and physical and and you know power conference worthy, P six worthy. Floyd, it'll be nine a.m. your time. Even if you were at home on the couch, it, like uh, just give us a Pacificers uh, response to a slate like this. Do you just have a coffee and then kind of flip through, or you just walk a dog and ignore it until like the better games start on the next shift? It really just depends on my mood, but I tend to look at the the nooners for y'all on the nine a.m. games for me and just look for pain. So I might settle in. <laughs> and watch two, I might just settle in and watch two Big Ten teams just kind of swinging each other, Maryland, Iowa, or. Uh, oh. West, Western record just because I don't want to start off my day with a, a increased heart rate or anything else. So I'm just going to sit there and watch stupid is kind of what I look for early. And so you're the good as the day goes along. You want to watch a snuff film that has a lot of dialogue. Pretty much. And mm. usually, you know, watching fullbacks run through defenses, things like that. So the early games are kind of the settle in for the day. And then we'll work our way to good things as the night goes on. Well, I don't want to kink shame, but no, thank you. Um, Let's move on to the afternoon slate. Billiam, starting with stupid goal line at stupid 2 p.m. We'll jump straight into the CBS game because this is not a game. This is just yet another dumb move by CBS to prop themselves up with traditional rivalries. Uh, How fast will Alabama-Tennessee not be an affair, Bill? How fast? What, one drive, two? Well, I mean, it, it's they it's could literally Alabama. they could they could Al- score the first two plays on off, get the ball first, mm-hmm. score the first two to three plays, <clears throat> and then score again on defense in the next two to three plays. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then that's yes, it. it. Then, <laughs> then turn it off. Yep, you idiots. Yep. I hope, like, just I think it would be 
Alabama needs to be tested at some point. Uh, well, it ain't but, happening Saturday. I know. I just I, so I'm 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 interested in like you know Tennessee attempting an onside kick and recovering it and like getting a field goal out of the drive or something. Uh, and then Alabama scores in two plays, but then Tennessee kicks another field goal, so it's at least yeah. like seven six after the first quarter because that crowd is going to be trying as hard as it can to talk itself into that. Um, okay, real quick, I just want to workshop. Uh, I, I just want to workshop something with you guys. Okay. Okay. Theoretically, mm-hmm. um, I skip. Um, the plans for Saturday. I call Tennessee as soon as I get done here. And I say, hey, can I get a press pass plus two for my two photographers? Okay. I drive the boys over. All right. Give them a couple coloring books, maybe like an Amazon tablet or something. And I just have them and me in the press box for this game. Here's my question. Is it really distracting for this game? Couldn't everyone really get their job done if I took my two children under the age of four into the press box for this game? Like, what are a couple kids running around really going to distract you from in some 56-7 to affair, right? No one's really going to notice, right? Okay, moving on. All right, uh, Coastal Carolina goes to UMass on that stupid 11 thing that we still don't know about, and please don't at me. It's a meme. We we know what it is. Uh, Colorado goes to Washington, 230 on Fox. Uh, Houston goes to Navy, reeling Navy, CBS Sports Network, 230, Kansas goes to Texas Tech, 230 on FS1, we'll just stay in the 230 slot, Big Ten Network, Minnesota goes to Nebraska, uh, ESPN has North Carolina State at Clemson, I think maybe Pullman would have been denied once again had that been NC State as the host, just a thought, Penn State goes to, Penn State's gotta, gotta fix their problems, good for, Lucky league for them, blah, 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 blah. They're going to Bloomington. Uh, that's on ABC. Wow, two thirty. Uh, ESPNU has SMU at Tulane. Wake Forest goes to Florida State on the Deuce. Pac-12 Network has Cal at Oregon State, and that's at three. Memphis goes to Missouri. There's more afternoon games than usual. It feels like Memphis goes to Missouri at three p.m. That's where Billiam will be on the SEC Network. Um, skip, 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 skip FCS games, and we'll stop there before we get yeah. to six p.m. Okay. Um, not great. Not, <laughs> not, not terrible. Hang on, let me root around and find some football. Well, uh, I have an argument here for paying attention to the Pac-12 in a very go way, and it's the Oregon State and Cal. Oh, for one reason. For one reason, Jesus. Oregon All State right, was on Floyd. a bye last week, but the last time I saw Oregon State was against Washington State, and it appears that Oregon State may have decided that they are not good and they want to build their offense and special teams out of trick plays. And so I watched them empty the sink with more trick plays than I've ever seen, one to two a drive against Washington State, and it was wildly entertaining. They were trying double reverse passes. They were using trick plays to set up trick plays, surprise onside kicks, anything you can think of I watched Oregon State do. And I'm real curious if they're just going to keep this going this year. Well, I mean, he does have a lot of Chris Peterson uh, on his resume, so mm-hmm. I guess that would kind of make sense uh, that he would go that route, Jonathan Okay, Smith, so Floyd's pick is an Oregon my, State game. My problem – I don't know if I'll actually do that, but I am curious to see. Because <laughs> it is Chris Peterson, but it's amplified to like the nth degree. It's, Chris like, Peterson's ever had to be desperate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I will note that I cannot watch that game because it is ca- it is on the Pac-12 network. But um... I actually can't either, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, Brian, make sure everyone knows you live in Seattle <sighs> and you can't get the Pac-12 network. I do live in Seattle now, and to get the Pac-12 network, it's like jumping through hoops. So the cord cutter thing and Pac-12 mm. network do not work great together. Sweet Lord. Um, in terms with, of importance, it's obviously NC State Clemson. It, that's that is the a, game, an mm-hmm. enormous game. Uh, if if you are looking for points, however, if you are looking for uh, entertainment value and and a potentially very nervous uh, SEC fan base in the second half, I will direct you to the SEC Network uh, to the game I will be attending. Uh, Memphis at Missouri. It could be very. Why'd y'all dumbasses schedule that game? That's a very good question. That's that's the one uh, SEC scheduling trend they have adopted since they do have the early conference games. Now you got to play non-conference late. They're Being not dumb doing... enough to get talked into playing Memphis because that like five other schools fall for that once a decade. I know. And they get... 
they but take they, one ass whooping and then i mean my alma mater made a freaking living out of it well yeah i mean uh, missouri and memphis play about like they, they arrange a series about uh you know twice every 20 once every 20 years or so so that uh missouri fans can go to memphis for a game for a game and a, and a weekend uh, and i did that myself in 1999 and it was no matter what no matter what kind of uh hot takery you want to offer memphis is a fun place for a weekend i'm not going to p- try to pretend to claim to want to this is nice for like four hours tops with the knowledge that you get to go home pay taxes and live somewhere else sure and the um, liberty bowl is the worst stadium in, in the it, fbs it's, it's pretty bad uh i did drive by there a couple of years ago and it looked maybe like it had been fixed up a little bit it looks better on tv too Take a crowded, like, old Southwest plane, completely full, and then just turn it perpendicular, and that's the press box. <laughs> also, I, I got trapped in the elevator there once while I was going halfway up, and I was sitting covering a game once, and who stumbles in through the fire escape stairwell but one Ron Jeremy? True story. Oh. Totally true. Okay. Totally true. And this you this can all ask... makes Memphis sound a lot more fun than I think you want it to sound. Ugh, but... It's wretched. Um... Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, that will be a good game. Probably, I, yeah. And Missouri, uh, I, moment of silence here. Uh, two of my favorite players, two of the guys I was most looking forward to watching uh, play college football this fall were Emmanuel Hall at Missouri and Amon Richards at Miami. Uh, Richards is done, and uh, Hall's about to miss his third straight game after basically just running around and serving as a decoy because of a bad hamstring uh, against Georgia. Uh, he's been injured, and then his dad, I guess his father, passed away, and so he's uh, he's Damn. taking a little more time for that. But basically, like that was <laughs> two two of the two of my favorite players that I was looking forward to or have barely seen the field, and it's very frustrating. Hey, y'all, is uh, Wake Forest going to beat Florida State? I feel better about Florida State than I did a few weeks ago, and I feel worse about Wake Forest than I did a few weeks ago. So I'm going to say no, but it's obviously on the table, I think. Mm. If they had caught him, yeah, a couple weeks earlier, it's kind of one of those slow start things. Maybe you're right on the edge. Yeah, Bill, take a note. Um, Mm, We need to play a game in the offseason called Could You Have Beaten Florida State in Week 2? This is actually the game that you play with the USC, who's more notorious for this. Right. Very true. Very true. National title prediction, uh, uh, potential national title winner, USC. Um, 2019, 2020, 2021. Uh, Let's move into the evening. So bad. Uh, The pick is obviously Clemson and NC State. There's nothing to say, except uh, I hope you win, Clemson, because I don't want to get tattooed on my butt. Um, (laughs) You know what I'm rooting for. Well, it's what I was rooting for anyway, so it's not that much of a reach. But now I have extra motivation. <sighs> so many puns. Yep. Ugh, so little self-restraint. Okay, let's move into the 6 p.m. hour. Where did I leave this thing off? Okay. Uh, look ahead, trap, letdown, game, burger. That's what everybody in Louisiana is talking about. Uh, 6 p.m. ESPN, Mississippi State goes to LSU. Uh, they're not wrong, by the way. It's a, tra- uh, it's a trap game against one, uh, a team with one of the 10 best defenses in the country, so that's a hell of a trap game. Up yonder in the parish I got married in, uh, ULM hosts Texas State on ESPN Extra. UCF goes to ECU. Don't kill them. Eesh. 6 p.m. ESPN 2. UConn's at South Florida. Don't kill them. CB, uh, CBS Sports Network, 6 p.m. Fresno State goes to Missouri at 7.30 on ESPN. Fresno State goes to Missouri. Sorry, Fresno State goes to New Mexico. I was reading three things at once. Uh, Ohio State is at Purdue on ABC at six thirty. Oh, ABC. Oh, Look, hey, let me pause this whole. Let me pause this whole ABC. bit right now. No, I'm gonna pause this whole bit right now. I'm not really worried about what I'm like. My kids getting in the way this weekend. I'm not. There's a chance that, that game is that that, that so game bad. is nuts. <laughs> I just I just stopped halfway through the schedule and I was like. In, I didn't want to be negative because a bunch of our listeners have been like, man, you guys are really down on every week's schedule. <laughs> and I was like, well, and as we were going through this, I was like, afternoon kind of sucks, but I mean, surely the, oh, oh God. Um, yeah. So the the game to watch is Oregon at Washington State, as we've discussed earlier, 6.30 on Fox. Vanderbilt's at Kentucky at 6.30 on the SEC network. USC's at Utah at 7 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. Arizona, this is the whole schedule, y'all. Arizona's at UCLA at 9.30 on ESPN2. And the last game is San Jose State at San Diego State Ugh. on CBS Sports Network at 9.30. Um, we can dig through the bargain bin in a second for streaming picks, but, like, geez. I nothing. I don't want to speak ill of the Oregon-Wazoo game because it's going to be really fun. And but, important. Very, very important. 
All right, expl- we'll walk that out for a second. Well, the winner is the Pac-12 North favorite, potentially. That's That sounds pretty important. Um, God, it's so crazy that, it, that and, we're not and, talking about Stanford and Washington in that context. Right, and, 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 I mean, that still matters, obviously. You know, whoever wins this game is the favorite, but then they have to keep winning. And, there, you know, there are plenty of potential uh, – when you've got a whole bunch of teams that are basically only top 30 or 40 and not, like, top three, then, uh, you know, there could be a lot of plot twists. But at this exact moment, the winner of this game will probably have the best odds of winning the, uh, the division. And, and, again, this isn't a Washington – state team that's kind of smoke and mirrors or whatever um this is a legitimately strong washington state team that i i think i have favored if i remember correctly let's see washington state yeah by three and a half or 3.1 over oregon um and that's dead on the the line right now yeah too. so i mean and, and I mean, Pullman's going to be a just a crazy house. <laughs> that's going to be that's going that game is going to be fun as hell to watch it really is this one and, has the potential of, you know, like years back, Oregon picks up a big win and Washington State just decimates them the next week. <laughs> way, really old Joey Harrington years where they went to Michigan, had a great win, got a big program building win, and then Washington State put up 55 on them. Um, I don't know that it's like that, and it's an interesting matchup, but, you know, I think Washington State fans feel pretty decent about it. Um, yeah. And Oregon got some injuries. Um, Washington State should be able to move ball around on them. And I, I still don't know if you are able to somehow take away one of Oregon receivers, just one specific one in Mitchell. Um, things get a lot harder over there. Yep. No, I, I, I this is a game I expect. I, well, not expect like, you know, blue chip pick of the week or something like that. But, I mean, I, I would expect uh, more often than not that Washington State wins this game. And, I mean, and, and again, if you've got a fun night crowd in Pullman and Washington State's beating a ranked opponent, that sounds like a really fun evening. And, you know – I, I, I kind of I love and I hate that Ohio State Purdue is the ABC game because on the off chance there's like a one in three chance that that game gets nutty and weird and is a, a very big a still a still very much in the balance heading into the fourth quarter uh, and if that's the case like having that having cr- a, cr- a, a big primetime event at a school like Purdue as opposed to a school that hosts like three primetime ABC games a year um that that's where you really get just an intense crowd and it could be a whole lot of fun there's also a chance that Ohio State's up 21-3 after the first quarter um but when you I guess when you've got Oregon Washington State to fall back on you and you're not relying on Ohio State Purdue for all of your entertainment then maybe that's okay but uh he that, that, that this is a just in terms of name brand guaranteed action it, this is a thin slate yeah, Extremely thin. Oregon Washington State you got two teams that are playing fun football right now we saw that last yeah. week with Washington Oregon they're really entertaining games so hopefully that delivers at least I mean the eyes of the sport are kind of on that game I mean, this is potentially the most exposure Wazoo's had in a yep. very long oh, that's, time. It's really good when you give Pullman fans, you know, what, 10 hours to kind of get ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just in, and you have our no Fireball, fireball. Between fireball and the popcorn guy and all that, you have a recipe for people throwing up on themselves. It'd be really good. Yeah, for sure. We Like, we deserve at least two to four, maybe five, like, iconic gifts to come out of this game. <laughs> I know. It'll be so disappointing if we don't. Just based that. on, I mean, just based on the, the old math, I think that's that should be the yield off this bad boy. Floyd, well, the, real quick. It, the band's getting back together, so all your favorite characters will be in Pullman. It'll be great. <laughs> uh before we, uh, well, let's do the bargain bin, and then I'm just going to ask you about Fireball to close the show out. Um, the real professional be, operation we have. Be quick, because I'm going to have to Mac Brown you in a couple minutes. Ready, set, go. How many you got? Yeah, yeah. Let's. He, he's got like two minutes. I got so let's two. Do, yeah, so oh, let's talk Fireball right. first. Fireball etiquette. Then you hang up, and we'll finish off with the bargain bin. Um, fireball etiquette. How does one normally consumes it, at least in every other part of America, as like a lukewarm shot or like a little airplane bottle, and yet it's like a delicacy to you guys? You know, you can consume it in many ways. You can do it in a shot glass. You can chill it. Um, as our friend in the crowd showed, you just take it straight from the bottle if you want to mix things up. Um, Which is what you did at your wedding. I did do that at my wedding. They put a camera on the bottle and did that where everyone kind of passed it around. So that was my wife's uh, brother. But you can also make drinks out of it. It's delicious if you mix it the right ways. So you can make things that taste like cinnamon apples and stuff like that. It's pretty versatile. Also, um, I've grown past some of the fireball, by the way. It does get a little bit old, so I almost vomited when I took the last one. <laughs> when have you grown like, past fireball? It's a very rare occurrence for me now. And like two weeks ago? 
this season I've turned over a new leaf actually and just switched it up. Uh, you know, you get older and you get heartburn and those <laughs> Yeah, which is exactly what I said to you for the last three years every time I saw you at any SP Nation function and you would just look look and smile and be like, I don't care and then just, ply me with more fireball. You, you flew to DC to get hired, had a very quick trip and had to go out of Baltimore the next morning oh, and uh, I took you out, pumped you full of fireball you on your way to the train into uh, your plane. Vomited cinnamon. I believe you G-chatted me the next day that someone said you smelled like Christmas. I did. Someone on the someone in my travel said you smell like Christmas. Then I vomited more. <laughs> All right, that's the perfect way to take the uh, take the wazoo out of this program, uh, Brian. We thank you for your patronage here. Um, by all means, the eyes of the nation will be on your fair alma mater this weekend, so don't let us down. Oh, you know we will. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Thanks, Floyd. Bye. All right, let's dig through this bargain bin real fast. Yep. Uh, yeesh. Buffalo Toledo? No, that's on plus at 11 a.m. No, that's, uh, uh, that's probably the most maction-worthy game of the max season, and it's really disappointing that that game is not on a Tuesday night, but it should be uh, pointsy, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, Cornell Utah. Brown? Uh, Cornell Brown's terrible. Never mind. Uh, UTEP at LaTeX, just more for the LaTeX thing, 230 on plus. Um, Still potentially important for uh, Conference USA title race, Florida Atlantic at Marshall at one uh, at one thirty p.m. on Facebook video. Screw Facebook, but... Uh, App State continuing its reign of uh, terror and destruction, 230 on plus. They host ULL. They should win that game. And that's kind of it in the bargain yeah. bin, unless you got anything else. Uh, I mean, I can put in a, a plug on ESPN3 at 2 o'clock as well for Grambling Alcorn. That's kind of the, the best team from the SWAC West versus the best team from the SWAC East. So, um, you know, that's the, I mean, that should be by all means. Well, actually, Prairie View might be the best team in the SWAC West this year, but that's another story. Ooh, note to self. Oh, oh uh, North Texas at UAB might be <laughs> like that's that might be the best game of the day. That's at 630 on BN if you still get oh, that. Oh, damn, yeah. Oh wait, I don't know. I think that one's just BN where you can't get it on stadium Facebook thing right, either. Right? No, it's just BN. Yeah. Damn. Um, which I don't think I can get. Um, yeah. Note to self: Tennessee Tech's at Tennessee State, so don't use Charlotte Avenue if you're in Nashville. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, by the way, we get uh, Tuesday Sun Belt games start next week on my anniversary. I might add uh, Troy at South Alabama. That's right, and then it flips over to Maction a couple weeks later, but. Uh... I like that they, they sprinkle a little sunbelt in there. I'm yeah. a fan of that big Why time. Not? Hey, real quick. Mm-hmm. I know we're not supposed to do this. It goes against our, our natural laws, but next oh. Thursday is not bad. Really? I don't believe you. Baylor at West Virginia and Georgia Tech at Virginia Tech. Like, that's yeah. watchable. Yeah. Oh, it says Mac game TBA. On th- huh. Thursday. Huh? Wait, what? 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 Uh... LSU Sports, what are you doing? LSUfootball.net, explain yourselves. Uh, it actually lists on the 25th as well. Oh, Ball State at Ohio at CBS Sports Network or, or ESPN, ESPN. too. I get it now. Oh, so, okay, I see. Yeah. Ah, okay, we're way far into next week, by he, the way. He, LSUfootball.net, again, was correct. And we You're right. Wrong. We were wrong. Yep. It's the greatest schedule in the world. It's LSUfootball.net slash TVSchedule.html. I think it's just HTML. Man, actually, that's a hell of a Thursday. I'm in. See? Before, that's what I'm saying. Before we even get to the MAC games, uh, which Toledo at Western Michigan is, is on either CBS Sports or ESPN2 is going to be pretty good. App State, Georgia Southern might be the best game of the Sun Belt year because Georgia Southern's good. App State's murderous, uh, but Georgia Southern is, is quite good this year. And so that could be a big game there in Statesboro. We're talking about next. What, what the hell are we doing? Oh, we're losing Godfrey is what we're doing. Okay. He, he couldn't take it. He, he hung up on us. Okay. Uh, I will close the show then. Ha! Uh, we will see. We will talk to you on Sunday night for the S&P Plus Countdown uh, Edition, the, the half hour-ish that is slowly starting to become 31 or 32 or 33 or 34 minutes. Um, we will talk to you then. Uh, seriously, though, Purdue, there's like a one in three chance that game is amazing and the atmosphere is amazing. We got a couple of amazing atmospheres at night. That's, that's not nothing. So anyway, we'll talk to you guys later.